The college football season is set to begin, and that means some fans are about to lose their minds watching young men lose theirs going head-to-head on the gridiron. To celebrate, we've got a special edition of the show today where I finally come through on my promise to tell you this story about that time I got arrested for drinking at a football game. I know, sounds un-American, but it's as true as the Trump administration, real and in your face. To try and help you through, I've made it whimsical, wrote this a while ago when I had a Dr. Seuss fancy. It might not have the same rhyme scheme all the way through, but I hope it will keep you activated as we talk about college football, binge drinking, and bacterial disease on a special kickoff edition of Joshin' Around. Travel back with me now to the late 1990s in what could be any college town home to a drinking school with a football problem. This happens to be another Saturday in Gainesville. Spurrier drinks Coors. To the store we go. It's time for the pregame, so let the beers flow. Some bev the bullet, while others pound the banquet. To make matters better, there was liquor and we drank it. It was past beer 30. The game started at 6. We missed kickoff so we could get a better fix. We finished off the beers and headed to the swamp when an airplane bottle of Crown landed softly in my palm. My friend the scene explained that our drinking wasn't through, which at the time sounded like a dream come true. I slipped the bottle in my pocket and sauntered on. Little did I know it was a ticking time bomb. We got inside the stadium. It was utter pandemonium. There were 90,000 people and the place was barely holding them. We stumbled to our seats as the student section swayed. The crowd was so loud you could barely hear the band play. The fun and gun was on the field. Touchdowns were abundant. But I was starting to sober up, and that gets a bit redundant. I left the stands on a quest, a quest in search of soda. A vendor found me quickly, $2 I owed him. I took my cola to the lavatory to concoct my brew, selected a stall next to black polished shoes, pulled the bottle out of my pocket, then unscrewed the cap. The cap fell to the floor, but I paid no mind to that. I used up all my booze as I stiffened up my drink. When I left the stall, there was a cop using the sink. I exited the bathroom and I sipped my Coke and Crown, Then someone grabbed my arm before I could bring it down. What's in the cup? shouted a friendly policeman. I'd be glad to tell you, officer, just please release my hand. He grabbed on even tighter, didn't seem to give a damn. I had to answer fast. I bought it from a concession stand. That answer didn't fly. He asked for my ID. I figured a sly response would be, I don't have any on me. My drink was snatched away, and the handcuffs, they came fast. The stadium went silent as I heard the handcuffs clasp. This man managed to manhandle me, shoving me through the crowd. Then the crowd became loud in an attempt to make me proud. Let him go, let him go, was the chant that they invented. The officer was furious out of the roar of their contentment. He grabbed me tighter still and pushed me through the prongs of people. He controlled all my actions as if I was infirmed and feeble. At the far end of the stadium, there was a holding cell. You could count the number of drunks inside based solely on the smell. I fell into a chair, thanks to a simple shove. I still wouldn't admit that there was liquor in my cup. The cop filled out an arrest report, a civil servant true and loyal, while another officer sniffed my drink and called it out as pure Crown Royal. We have a winner here, I was quick to exclaim. Tune in next time to the What's He Drinking game. Now I had to wait, though, for my van down to the jail. What a great time, I thought, to test some new material. I started cracking jokes while I was handcuffed to a chair, I got a whole bunch of laughs and some stone-cold stares. The van arrived, we packed inside, and still drunk, chatted with pride.
What you in for? Drinking? I'll be damned. It was like Bourbon Street inside this police van. We were strapped in, still chatting, and the next thing that happened, suddenly we arrived at the place we'd be spending the night. I stepped in, ready to accept my fate. I was going to have to suck it up because it wasn't all that late. Checked in around nine, fingerprinted, then posed for photos. They issued me a scratchy wool blanket and a paper-thin pillow. The holding cell was the next stop of my tour. They were nice enough not even to shut the door. The phone sat right outside. You didn't have to wait in line. Just let your fingers do the walking to any number you could chime. I tried a couple friends, but their benders must have bent. Finally, I gave up and made a bed out of a bench. Woken up abruptly, I was very quick to curse. Before delving deeper into jail, I had to visit with the nurse. Now, a bit of background information of myself at the time. I had just been tested for every disease man can find. You see, I was volunteering time telling jokes to some sick kids, and I don't bring this up just to beg for forgiveness, just something to keep in mind. There was a single file line that all of us were jammed in, so I bided my time waiting to be examined. It wouldn't be a problem, at least not that I could fathom. It was finally my turn. I walked in and said hi, but right before I sat down, a poster caught my eye. Suddenly, I was sent in a state of hypnosis. The poster boasted prevention of deadly tuberculosis. That's when I realized, I know this disease. I'm familiar with symptoms onset by TB. The nurse asked some questions as she proceeded to check my pulse. I calmly answered back without the slightest of revolt. I feel pretty good. I take three naps a day. There's blood in my stool, but really, I can't complain. I'm always real phlegmy. My nose always bleeds. The nurse now put gloves on, and she tried not to breathe. Young man, she said, full of compassion and sorrow, I believe it imperative you see your doctor tomorrow. I appeared quite confused and kindly asked why. She said she had reason to fear for my life. She fell for my lie. I found that hard to believe. Now I just wondered what prize I'll receive. She said that TB was highly contagious, so for everyone's safety it'd be advantageous if I spent the night in the infirmary cell. To keep everyone safe, I was all by myself. My own private bathroom, two bunks and two beds, which gave me two pillows and two mattress pads. I had my own toilet and shower to boot with a stainless steel mirror so I could stay cute. A guard came by, though I didn't catch his name. He told me the score of the Florida game. They just pulled it out as they used to do. The game was amazing. The score through the roof. Lights out and it came soon at what seemed like 11. I snuggled in bed just as comfy as heaven. At 7 a.m. my breakfast arrived and aside from TB, I felt really alive. Next to arrive was the public defender who asked of the plea that I'd like to enter. No contest, my friend. Now please step aside. I've used all the services you can provide. Around about nine, I was brought to the judge. Though my last name starts with A, I was seen right before lunch. Yet the judge didn't sit at a bench in the room. Instead, he appeared on a large picture tube. In the front of the room, as clear as could be, the judge talked to me through a TV screen. Your Honor, I spoke right to the TV. Drinking at a football game's no crime to me. The judge, he agreed, I was issued a fine. Yet time it stayed stopped as my head I did scratch. It took an hour and a half to soothe the jailer's wrath. Yet now, for some reason, my illness less explosive, no one seemed to care that I had tuberculosis. In another holding cell, all us inmates sat. They were nice enough to give us some lunch in brown sacks, sweaty bologna and orange and milk. Many men were excited, thinking this a good meal. Finally, the door opened and my name was called. 
My life was restarted after it suddenly stalled. One last stop to gather possessions. One thing I was getting was an answer to blessings. I was finally released to the fresh air of the streets, but the first thing I needed was sweet nicotine. To my delight, there was a bum right in sight who charged $1 each for a Doral ultralight. I gladly paid and was on my way. I called my roommate from the nearest Circle K. For the incredibly low price of the cost of my fine, I got just a taste of what it's like to do time. Thanks to my intellect and precisely sharp wit, even the jailhouse treated me like a prince. That said, if I ever do time again and word gets out that I'm the one behind all this joshing around, I'm liable to end up getting socked with a sack of soap, wind up on the wrong end of an unfriendly enema, or at the very least be forced against my will to perform the morning announcements over the prison intercom. In the meantime, remember to stick with the drink you're given, always answer direct questions, and pay attention to the signs until the next time we get together and touch down for some joshing around.